Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Legal Brief. I'm Misty Maris, and I'm joined by my executive producer and friend, fellow true crime aficionado, Lauren Mincer-Clark. Hello, Lauren. Hi. And so while we are generally doing our Friday legal roundup today, I think it's probably a good idea for us to just talk about what happened this week in the Depp Heard trial. Amber took the stand. It was huge. It was explosive. So this is a great time to talk about what her testimony really means. Sure have. Steph heard Amber took the stand, although we only got through the direct examination. We did not quite get to the cross. So there is so much to cover. Her testimony is really the key to this case. No, absolutely. And that's why we wanted to kind of take the time to just do a whole episode focusing a little bit in on this because there's kind of a lot to touch on. It's all over social media right now. So we wanted to kind of break it all down because there's been a lot of that's kind of happened up to this point. Do you want to just dive right in? I mean, because I watched her take the stand on Wednesday. And when I tell you it was... It was, it was hard because it was very emotional. She talked about how they met. She talked about her early career. She talked about, you know, just it got a little to know about her and her backstory, um, and her family and her upbringing, um, and with horses and all of this kind of stuff, you know, starting out in the industry, trying to do odd jobs, a makeup artist as one of them, which will come up, um, you know, as we talk about this case, you know, so it really set that up. And then she talked about meeting Johnny Depp on the set of the, well, to be brought in for a meeting for the Rum Diaries, um, and then kind of how their relationship progressed. This is all from her side. This is the first time she's actually been able to break any of it down. And it was wildly compelling, but Misty, it was also wildly disturbing and hard to hear some of the accusations that she has made. I mean, she's testifying to some very serious physical and sexual abuse. There was photographs that were presented. I, there's a lot here and it was, it was very hard. And while we don't need to go into all the details of some of those really painful stories, I want to kind of talk about what your take is from hearing this for the first time. Yeah. So her, this was her direct examination. We had left off with Johnny Depp. He presented his case. He had testified. He went through cross-examination. All of his witnesses are done. Uh, as we talked about, she sought a dismissal right after Johnny Depp presented his full case, which is typical in these types of cases. Remember, he's the plaintiff, so he has to mm-hmm. prove his case. So she and her legal team made the argument that he failed to fulfill the elements of a defamation case. And they pointed out all of the stuff that we've been talking about, Lauren. We, they pointed out the legal standard for a public figure being actual malice. The lawyers were so focused on the fact that, number one, Amber Heard penned that article in conjunction with lawyers, penned that article in conjunction with the ACLU, penned that article in conjunction with lawyers for for both the ACLU and her personal lawyer. So it went through this whole process. How could it possibly be defamatory? It was based in opinion. You know, they made all of the arguments. They made the argument we've been talking about, Lauren, which Mm -hmm. is that Donnie Depp's testimony alone spoke about their tumultuous relationship and the videos that we saw and his own admissions Mm -hmm. would suffice to the standard of did Amber Heard feel that she was a victim of abuse? Because remember, abuse doesn't necessarily have to be physical. It can Mm. be emotional, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah forms of abuse that somebody can experience in a relationship. So all of those arguments were made. 
Not surprising. And I think, look, I think that the judge actually, it was probably a case that could have gotten thrown out. Um, you know, look, I, I just have an opinion on the case, but it it definitely is the usual for a judge to say, these are all issues for the jury to decide. And that's what happened. The judge said, you know what, there's enough evidence here for Johnny Depp to make a case to fulfill his obligation as far as the elements of the of the defamation claim. But it's for a jury to ultimately decide whether or not he has a case that can be proved by the preponderance of the evidence, which is the standard in this type of civil matter. So what does that mean? Well, that means Amber Heard takes the stand. And I have to say, Lauren, as you said, her testimony was incredibly emotional. Her testimony was extremely disturbing. Uh, the allegations that she's made about their relationship and about the physical abuse was really hard to hear. I thought mm -hmm. she came off very believable. I mean, Johnny Depp had painted a picture of her being someone that was unstable. You know, we heard from medical experts talking about these disorders that she had and how they made her act uh, act out of sorts and, and that she would make up stories and would have extreme reactions. Mm -hmm. you know, very measured on the stand as far as having this these traumatic incidents that she's counting. Um, again, this is her direct examination. So keep in mind, whenever somebody's mm -hmm. on direct examination, it's not hostile. It's their, it's it's their, their team. Opportunity. Yes, it's their opportunity to get their story out in front of the jury and the lawyer and the client spend a lot of time going through that direct examination. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what came out, um, I, I thought, again, I thought it was very hard to hear and I thought she came off very credibly and she, you know, she sobbed uncontrollably. Right. I, I mean, it's, 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 she was very, very emotional. Right. And so, and well, and you know what? And there's one thing I want to just jump in here because I've noticed a ton on social media, and there's just everyone's comments. I didn't see the tears. It's not real because of all the stuff that had been said before. And I feel like it was just so unfair for anyone to be jumping in on that just based off what they heard from Johnny because she's telling horrifically traumatic events from her point of view. I, there's just no way to, it's, it's hard. You shouldn't judge someone on how they recant or how they're telling their story and how they're recalling a story. And it's been hard to see people judging the, like, because she didn't have enough physical tears dropping out of her eyes. I mean, that that's a hard thing for a lot of people that have been judging on. It's actually a funny thing because we see this a lot in trials and we see this a lot in cases. And a lot of it is how somebody processes trauma and their mm -hmm. reaction one person's reaction can be very different from action. So one person might be telling this story and they might be hysterically crying, you know, their face is wet and, and all of that. Another, yeah, person right. Slightly different. Another person could be completely stoic and all of that uh, um, is an, there's arguments to be made that people process traumatic situations differently. They recount them differently. We see this all the time in criminal cases when somebody is, uh, you know, uh, we see it a lot of times in cases where the accused doesn't have the typical reaction to finding out something in the case or being confronted by law enforcement, whatever it might be. There's, it's hard for uh, people to judge that the physical reaction and the 
the way that it's recounted and the physical response. However, what I will say is, so jury's paying attention to all of this too. And what I find interesting, social media goes crazy, right? I mean, social right. media, right. like people are rewinding and digging deep. I told you, you know, we were talking about the outfits. I never would have the, made that. The bees crazy. on the pen. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they're zooming in on it. They're really, they're, they're picking apart every minute. I mean, the jury is there in the room and, I think that the response on social media and how polarizing it is for one side or the other is indicative of, wow, people can have different opinions on this. And that's funny because that's what you want to do. You want to get in the jury's mind. So mm-hmm. uh, certainly there's, you know, reasonable minds can differ and credibility of course. component of any trial, civil or criminal, but credibility is really key here with respect to Amber. So some of her testimony, she spoke about these physical altercations, again, super, super disturbing allegations, uh, really, really just stuff that is- Lots of details too, yeah. Yeah, and specific with dates and all of that. And then there was some photographic evidence that was provided that was used to serve as corroboration of her story. So one piece is her testimony. The other piece is what backs the testimony up. So there were some photographs or photograph of a black eye, bloody nose. There was, uh, you know, we had seen some photographs of, of what was alleged to be Johnny Depp's drug use or yep. there would be drugs mm-hmm. in the house. So all of that was presented in the course of the direct examination. And look, there was a couple of purposes to that because again, this is a defamation case and I just want to emphasize it because I think a lot of the coverage is being treated as if it's an assault case, a criminal assault case. Somebody's trying to prove that the other person assaulted them, but that's not what this is. It's about whether it's substantial truth that Amber Heard was a victim of domestic violence. That's the key question. And Johnny Depp, in his testimony and his whole case is that she is the abuser, mm-hmm. that he was actually abused by her, that when they got into arguments, he would retreat and he would go away and she would abuse him. And she had these over the top reactions and she's unstable. So a lot of what she recounted was physical abuse that she allegedly suffered at his hands. And mm-hmm. then her response, which which really served a purpose to explain some of what happened during his case, which was this witness testimony that she hit him witness, you know, and, and again, right. about the credibility, of all these witnesses, but she did say, yeah, I fought back, but I never had a, I never had a fighting chance really because right. of all, all of this abusive conduct. So that was a real key component that yes, she responded to the abuse by fighting back under certain circumstances. So that's a part of her case. And then the other piece was the, uh, the consuming of drugs and alcohol by Johnny. In fact, her testimony, she had said that for a good portion of their relationship, they were very happy and everything mm-hmm. was great. He fell off the wagon and things changed because he was back to, drinking or taking drugs or opioids or whatever. And I think the effective component of that is he did admit in his testimony. Right. To drink. You know, he said he never was intoxicated, but that he did drink and he diminished some of that. He'd say, oh, it was only wine. It was only a glass of champagne. Right. But he admitted to drinking uh, to some degree. And then he also admitted to taking opioids. And he had even admitted to being blacked out at one point. He just said it's a different type of blackout than a blackout. Right. Because it puts you to sleep. So uh, all of this, the whole point is 
the jury is going to have to piece all this together. And a lot of that's going to happen in closing arguments where the plaintiff, so Johnny Depp, since he has to prove his case, you know, the, the jury's going to have to buy that Amber Heard was not a victim of abuse. Now, it doesn't have to be physical abuse. It can be emotional, it can be sexual. You know, those are her allegations. Or, or it can just be verbal. So that's really what the jury is going to have to put together. Now, mm-hmm. she's put there all of these allegations of physical abuse, right? She's putting them right. out there. She's talking about them on the stand. And this is part of credibility. There'll be a jury instruction at the end, which will say you can believe all, part, or none of any witness's testimony. That's a really important instruction. And so if you deem a witness to be incredible, meaning that you think they were lying about one thing, you can think they were lying about everything. Mm. Or you can think they were lying and telling the truth or some sort of hybrid. So that's what the jury is really going to have to grapple with because there are two really, really different stories about this relationship. Now, standing back, I'm looking at it as, and this goes to that concept of one of the first witnesses out the gate, uh, a doctor who had said that they were victims of mutual abuse. Right. So there was abuse going on both ways. I, I mean, I don't know what's true or what's false. Right, Lauren? We don't know. We just right. sit here and watch the testimony. But it just looks like two people in a really, really terrible relationship and some element of abusive behavior, either in response or in response to each other's conduct or this built up aggression towards each other, whatever it is. But whatever, whatever it is, the way that her lawyers are going to couch it, I would I would imagine would be that that's enough to support her defense of her perception of being a victim of domestic abuse and coming forward. Because again, right. the article any of this stuff she's talking about. It's not in there. That's right. None of it's in there. He's not named at all. He's not named and none of these circumstances are, are spoken about. Right. You know, the article about her experience as a, as a domestic abuse survivor uh, or, or a victim of domestic mm-hmm. abuse what it meant for her to come forward and the response to coming forward. So that's what her article is, what the article is really about. Now I understand the, uh, the plaintiff's argument. I understand Johnny Dove's argument, you know, they have a high profile divorce by implication. He's being right. Right. So I, and that's, and that's their whole case, but I don't know. Did he go too far by saying that she is the primary abuser? I don't know, because I think that, look, I was very much stuck on a part of his testimony where the, it's the vodka bottle. Incident, Which one? Right? Uh-huh. Okay. Where he right. says he threw this handle of vodka at him. And I, I don't know if she's like a high speed pitcher or something, because right. I'm having my trouble wrapping my mind around getting the speed and and what he called a velocity injury. <laughs> to, I'm right. I don't know. I, I guess it would depend on how close they were and all of that. But And the, the bottle was broken. But he says she hurls this bottle at him. It severs, you know, the tip of his finger, right? Right. And her, story, her story is that he was on a bender and that he somehow cut his finger and, you know, was a product of being intoxicated. But regardless, one a piece of his testimony that I, I don't know if, if the media is just not focused on it, but to me it, it spoke volumes, is that he said, he admitted that he took his now severed finger and wrote on the wall in his own blood about transgressions and lies that she had told. And right. I don't know, 
think if I'm the defense attorney, I turn around at the at my closing argument and say, if you believe nothing else, he admitted to that. And I don't know how that's not a how that's not a form. Yeah. Or, or a form of abuse. I'm not saying it's physical abuse, but right. a form of abuse that would that would justify the perception from the other person in that relationship mm-hmm. that's abusive conduct. You know, I, I don't know, it, like regardless of how the finger got severed, I, I'm just right. saying that it's, I don't know if you even need to talk about that really, or if that's, that's part of the case. Now it's obviously salacious and Amber Heard's story is so different. She details very, very, very serious allegations of physical and sexual abuse that are right. completely disturbing. Um, and look, if the jury believes her, then the case is over. But if the jury doesn't believe her entirely, but only believes part of her testimony, the case can still be over. And I think that's the point. But right. if the jury not believe her at all, the case still exists, except there's still a there's still a hurdle of proving that she published that article. She wrote that article with malice, which I think is the bigger challenge. So say they get over this hurdle and the jury decides, all right, wait, we're not sure if we're buying her being abused, hypothetically. Well, then they still have to grapple with whether or not there was, she she went forward with this article with malice, which I think is very seriously undercut by number one, his name not being in the article, and number mm. two, the process that came out during the course of the trial for writing the article whereby, yeah, maybe she wants to put some of right. about their marriage, but it doesn't end up in print. So right. lots to unpack, a lot going that, on. That's very interesting. Well, and But this is also very interesting because court is actually, so they're done, but they're taking a week-long break. It's May 16th is, she's, is when court resumes. So I, I have a couple of questions there because obviously the jury is instructed to not go near social media and to do anything, but this is, is it, Typical for a week-long break in a court case like this where the jury, I don't know, just seems very risky. Yeah, so it's not really typical. Usually these cases just go straight through, but it's not its not unheard of. I mean, okay. there's a lot of times where there could have been scheduling issues. This could have been contemplated at the beginning of trial. You know, there uh, might be okay. yeah. all sorts of things. This is a very, very long trial. I think that they anticipated at the get-go that it was going to be like seven or eight weeks. So like right. all of that could could have been taken into consideration in the scheduling right from the get-go. And maybe this was planned. Um, there might've been a reason why it came up. I actually, I don't know, but it's not unnecessarily unheard of, but it is a huge risk. And it's sort of both lawyers nightmares because all of the work that you've done so far can be undone if a jury does not follow those instructions. Right. That's really a big piece of, of... And they're not sequestered, correct, anywhere? They're not sequestered, no. Those are not right. They're, they're you know, going to go live their lives, and somehow they're going to have to avoid reading social media, watching television... Or talking anything. to anyone? <laughs> hey, talking to anybody about it. And that's all true. And look, think about Ghislaine Maxwell and some of the other cases that we've been talking about, a lot of what's come to fruition has come because of jurors speaking, making speaking, right? Media, you know, of jurors. Uh, it's not Glenn Maxwell, but there's been many, many other cases right. where jurors engaging in social media has been a problem because all of that's going to be public. If, 
if there's something that comes out that a juror was engaging in social media or whatever it might be, which everybody's like so attuned to their phones. And of course, like that. it's 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 all it's like near impossible to avoid. Even I, I just alerts alone and just in passing. <laughs> I, I can't. Is that if something like that comes out, it could create a mistrial. I mean, that's that's right. That, but that's the risk is that there's a mistrial because Ugh. you have who don't necessarily follow the rules. Now, I will say, in general, jurors take their responsibilities very seriously, and they do listen to the judge, so they listen to the rules. I mean, these jurors are in the most high-profile case going on in the country. Right. I just, my concern is, is that it's unavoidable. I don't know if it's necessarily that I think that they're going to go and actively look for it. I just feel like this case is just, I I mean, it's, everyone's talking about it. I just don't know how they're going to avoid it. Right. So I guess from that perspective, that's a great question, Lauren, or, you know, a great observation. Yeah. From that perspective, if, if, if there were to be a juror who was somehow exposed to something or some commentary or whatever it may be, there would be an inquiry by the court as to what level of exposure that is. All right. So somebody actively, a juror actively engaging in social media and making comments about the case would probably be eliminated without question immediately. Right. right. So that, right. that would be like a Makes no sense. an alternate would be tapped in, you know, that would be how that's handled. If okay. there was more contamination, then there might be grounds for a mistrial. A jury who passively ends up in a situation where information has come their way or, you know, there's something people are posting and, and mm-hmm. somehow they're exposed to it. Again, the court could do an inquiry. It's basically like voir dire and the judge would ask questions about that and make a determination about whether or not that juror is biased. And that's the big question. Did anything, you know, if there was engagement on social media or something like that, did anything you read impact your ability to be uh, neutral and to right. make any decision you have on the evidence? Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't appellate issues that accrue. That's uh, true. And so those would be preserved. So keep in mind, you know, this is a really high profile case. You're going to have a jury consultant per- perhaps working in the background. You're mm-hmm. going to have investigators. You're going to have the lawyers if, if there aren't those engagements with third party contractors or whatever it might be. Looking at social media and making sure that nothing is is happening on that front. So, uh, you know, and, 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 and identifying potential issues if right. they so. Uh, you're right. I mean, I think that it's always a risk when you have these big delays, especially with high profile cases. And uh, hopefully all the work that's been done in the trial thus far won't end up in a mistrial. But it, it's unlikely that that would happen. But it certainly is something that <laughs> to be said about the world. Right. How the heck do you avoid this unless you're like sitting in your basement in the dark i really don't know <laughs> right well and that's because it's like it that's why it's like it, it's almost an unavoidable you have to just not go on social media period because there's just no way because it, it it just naturally scrolls by because someone's talking about it i can't tell you you know and i refer to tiktok because this has just become such i saw one that was just from the other day and a girl was you know she makes a joke i realized that 
the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trials down the street 20 minutes away. She literally takes video of herself hopping in her car and going outside. And when it was the first time I actually was paying attention because she's in the crowd. And when Johnny's car's going by, I mean, the window rolls down and girls are screaming and people are handing presents and everyone's cheering. Amber goes by and the crowd is silent and a few like kind of naysayers just shouted. It's just you. You can see everything. Not only are you watching all of the stuff that's going on inside of that trial on national television, well, live television and streaming everywhere, but now it's like social media. People are just there and taking videos and they post them and they go so viral. They come up in your algorithm. It's, you know, back to my point of just unavoiding. I just, I wasn't even necessarily necessarily looking for it. It came up and it was just, just seeing that. It, and also just, I don't know, it, there's definitely, none of the videos are just like, you know, giving both sides. <laughs> no, of course not. Yes. So, I, and, and again, you're totally right. And there's probably an element of it that is unavoidable. And that's why there's a process in place to not immediately scrap the trial or not immediately scrap right. or just because of some exposure. It would just depend on the nature of of that exposure to whatever's out there and the the whole idea is to avoid bias but again it does create appellate issues that's certainly true and you know we've seen that happen in other cases where jurors do engage in social media when they're not supposed to they're i mean that's like a real no-no right they engage in social media and they find out maybe there's a mistrial maybe that juror's knocked out you have to get an alternate you know that's why there's alternates to a certain extent right the yeah i always forget there are alternates, you know, isn't done, but, um, yeah, it's really, it really is, you know, a week is kind of a long time. It really is. And to that end, I would say that my bigger problem with it as a, as a defense lawyer, and again, I'm sure all the lawyers are figuring all of this out and they're, everybody's good on all sides, real good lawyers, real good defense team. But right. I hate as a defense lawyer, I would hate my client going up <gasps> direct examination and then a week lag in time for cross and that's for them to prep yes for yeah. all the questions and look and we're uh not to pat ourselves on the back but i'm a litigator and litigators work fast because you yeah. have to work fast because trial happens fast and you know when your direct examination is done if you're doing the cross you've listened and watched the whole direct examination and then that night you're there with a transcript and you're going <laughs> right and you're working on your cross examination based on what came out during the direct examination and you're congealing everything that's come out during the trial to figure out what questions and you go in prepared but you're you know you're doing it right after court ends at five you're starting that at 501 sometimes you're starting your cross you know during the mid midday so right prepare is a real Plus, if you have a week to prepare, then you really have the ability to, I mean, scrutinize every single detail in line over and over, right? Yeah, you just have more time. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't love it as the defense lawyer. (laughs) Right. Positive. It's just something that is an interesting point because, you know, then you really can get your troops aligned as an attorney and get everybody set up and look, Johnny Depp, like he's got. He's got a, a, a high-profile legal team. They could have like 10, 12 lawyers in there working on the cross-examination, you know, burning the midnight oil. Over oh, the right. Close to the course of a day. So, um, again, I think Amber Heard's legal team is excellent. Uh, so there's 
there's no issue there for their ability to combat that. But and from a from a from a legal perspective of oh, you know, these are these are really skilled litigators, right? There's there's no dichotomy there, but it would just be something I would not love to tell you the truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> you deal with it, you don't love it. Right. Well, and so, and let me ask you this. They also, the judge I noticed had made a note that the closing art arguments are scheduled for May 27th and that, that the jury will decide or going to be set to decide that day. Is it also typical that you will have that date usually pre-planned out? I mean, could that change? Are there things that could change that? Or is that kind of, I just was interesting to already see a closing date. Yeah. So at this point, yes, it's, it would be normal for the okay. court to have that date, but it's definitely not written in stone because we there's still a significant a significant case to put on. So we know Cross right. is coming. Uh, that's scheduled to start the 16th. A lot of this is likely because they know what witnesses are going to be called. That doesn't mean that other witnesses might not become relevant. Remember, there were like 120 or 150. I mean, there were a lot of witnesses on the right. Witness. Yes. Uh, and whether or not you actually call all of those witnesses, you don't always. You know, it just depends on what comes out during the trial, what you think you need to prove your case. There's strategy involved as to who you call. So the court probably has a pretty decent idea of who is coming up. Amber Heard is a party to the case. So her cross-examination, probably the judge asked, how long do you think it'll take? The plaintiff's attorney probably said, oh, I think it's going to take two to three days, whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and you guys, obviously, yeah. And very experienced. You have a general idea. Yeah, exactly. You have a general idea. And then after that, depending on who's testifying, in, in general, uh, the lawyers in the court are cognizant of the schedules of those who are not parties. So if there's experts, they probably have a day that they're coming, come hell or high water, they're coming <laughs> that day because that's the day that's on their schedule. So at this right. point, we're about halfway through because mm -hmm. judge has concluded, the court probably has a pretty decent idea of when everything is going to happen. So that May 27th date, probably not too far off. But okay. They could move. Stranger things have happened. Right, which we have seen, which we have seen. All right, but to wrap this one up, like we said, you just said we are kind of halfway through. Amber, we court, it's our own hold until May 16th. Where, like, what is your kind of key takeaway um, and what should we be looking for next? I think that everything is going to be refocused by the defense. Now Amber Heard's story is out and what we're going to see is strategy, in my in my opinion, mm -hmm. strategy by the defense to reframe this case to what it is, a defamation case. Mm -hmm. So far, it has been just so over the top, everything that's happening in the courtroom, all the allegations, all of the celebrity that's happening, right, Johnny? Yeah. You know, the, the response, the laughter, the stacking of the gum. There's just a lot of spectacle, right? Yes, yes. And the defense really has the difficult job of detracting from the spectacle and really explaining to the jury what this case is about, because this case has not been tried. And I understand from the plaintiff's perspective, that was the best strategy. Mm -hmm. The strategy was to get all of this out there and sort of distract from what the legal elements are. And as we know, defamation cases... Very difficult to prove. Not impossible. There are factual scenarios where defamation cases are, are are really viable. This one's tough because you have a public figure. And right. 
aspect of a public figure, at which is sometimes, by the way, contested. Somebody who maybe is well-known locally, but not well-known on a national scale, will not qualify in a lot of jur- jurisdictions. But Johnny Depp? Yeah. Everybody knows him. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. He's definitely a public figure. So I think the, the defense is really going to have to reframe this case into the elements of a defamation case, really try and get the jury focused on what this is about, go back to the language of that article, go back and say, where do you see the vodka bottle incident? Where do you see the plane incident? Where do you see all of these allegations in this article? You don't. You mm. don't. So that's really going to be what it is. And and I think that there's a risk to putting a defendant on the stand to tell the story, this horrible story that she told, because if the jury doesn't believe it, they might not believe they, they could choose to not believe all of her testimony. But if the jury believes it, then case is kind of like wrapped up and done. So um, there's a lot more to do here. And I think we'll probably see some experts, which are going to be really important to this case. Mm-hmm. And medical experts in, in Johnny Depp's case. We might see some other contemporaneous witnesses. I guess it sounds like James Franco and it, Elon Musk it, are not testifying. I guess that was a no, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and look, uh, those, again, they were on the witness list. There might have been a strategic reason. I mean, they might not want to do it, but there might also be a strategic reason for, to not bring them in. You know, what are they going to add? Um, right. Huh? And again, from the defense perspective, and this is why it's so hard with a high profile case like this, from the defense perspective, it's really just a very, very technical legal argument, more so than a flashy argument like the the plaintiff has here, where it's sort of laying out this whole narrative. Right. Uh. Legal uh, argument relating to these really tactical uh legal arguments relating to what a defamation case really is and whether or not Johnny Depp hits the, you know, gets over the net as far as proving by what the standard is preponderance of the evidence. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching this case play out. I think there's uh, been a lot of surprises and I actually did not believe there would be too many surprises. Only yeah. Because... I thought we already heard this case. I thought we yeah. heard uh, what we could hear. <laughs> I thought we right? heard all. <laughs> right. I thought, yeah, no, but that's changed almost every day. Yeah, actually almost every day. But uh, wow. yeah, we'll yep. on this one. I mean, we'll be on um, pause here until May yes. with respect to Depp and Heard. But lots of other goodies. Yep. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, we lots of true crime. There's a lot of trials that are coming up. We have what to watches to tell people about. We've got other crazy cases that are kind of going on um, in the news right now. So we'll be doing lots more roundups and everything while we wait for this one to continue. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much for catching up on the herd depth trial with us, and stay tuned. More to come. Yes, thank you so much for listening, everyone.